I'm so happy to welcome you back to our second podcast. This session is aimed at anyone interested in well-being, the impact of physical activity at work and evidence-based research. I'm Beth Husted, the Rehabilitation and Wellbeing Manager here at Unum, and my focus is the wellbeing and absence management services for our customers. We're so excited to be delivering another podcast in our 2019 series. I'm joined today by Nicola Riley, wellbeing consultant at Unum, whose focus is on Unum's own staff wellbeing. Nicola, tell us a bit about yourself. Hi, Beth. So I'm excited to be here. I've worked in workplace wellbeing throughout my career. I started off in the NHS. I then spent, I think it was about 10 years in the pharmaceutical industry before moving to Unum, and I've been here for about two years. Lovely. And Karen Curtis, who works in my team. Karen. Thanks, Beth. So yeah, I've been with Unum for just over five years with a background in case management and doing the um, on-course line manager training that we do. I also have a background in occupational psychology, and that's why I was so interested in this study. Thank you. So what I'm going to do is ask these guys all about their Spring Into Action initiative that was run in Unum in 2018, and they're going to share the results and learnings. So to start, Nicola, tell us a bit about the why. So at Unum in the UK, we've got just under 800 employees and each year we take part in the Britain's Healthiest Workplace Survey and having 800 UK-based employees, it's quite nice because we've got a nice number of employees where we can really look at impacting their health behaviour and, and really measuring change. So our 2017 report identified that 37% of our UK employees weren't doing enough physical activity and this was based on Public Health England's recommendation, you might have heard of it Beth, that adults should be doing 150 minutes of moderate intensity physical activity each week in addition to doing some strength based work approximately twice a week. So Public Health England estimates that by 2030 we'll be doing 35% less activity than we were actually doing in the 1960s, which is just staggering. So there's a very real trend for declining levels of activity, you know, as we're all spending much more time in front of screens and our work hours have extended, we're all working far more flexibly, so therefore as a result we're all sitting a lot more. Contributing to this is that regular physical activity can really help prevent over 20 chronic diseases, so there's a real case behind increasing the level of activity that we're all doing. Now obviously as Unum we're an employee benefits provider so we see the very real impact of poor health on our clients that we support and as an employer you know we really want to be walking the talk and leading best practice and we're an employee employer naturally that cares and we've got a high performance culture so as part of this we want to make it easier for our employees to really take responsibility for their health and well-being and for them to make healthier choices throughout the day. So we wanted to encourage our employees to build their physical activity and to really sort of build that into the fabric of their day. And we know that irrespective of how much activity an individual does outside of their working day, if they spend hours at a time sitting at a desk, this really mitigates all of those positive benefits of maybe their gym session or their classes or their weekend walks. And thinking about a business case, we really want to boost energy and aid focus and really reduce that sluggishness that we all are very familiar with. You know, if you think about your your three o'clock afternoon slump and sort of the munchies and reaching for the chocolate bar. So for us as an employer, it was a real win-win. Well, I can certainly vouch for that, Nicola. I know that when I'm not moving enough, when I have a desk or driving day, I'm not quite so productive. My back's aching. So tell us how you launched it. 
So we've got a, a, a bit of a past at Unum of a, we've got an employee-based wellbeing committee and we've got a history of running step-based programmes and in fact a year ago the wellbeing committee ran something called Walk to the North Pole and it was a bit of fun, it was a step-based challenge, we ran it in December and the idea was that teams would compete against each other. And in terms of sort of incentivising, the, the prize was a Unum bobble hat. And actually it was much coveted, um, you know, much to our surprise actually. And it was a really fun event. So off the, the back of that, we decided to launch the um, Spring Into Action step-based challenge. And this time we used an online wellbeing platform um, that sits within our employee benefits offerings. Um, previously, when we'd run the Walk to the North Pole Challenge, we'd use the free Strava app, which is available to everybody. But we just chose to take a slightly different approach and embed it into the wellbeing programme and some of the benefits plan. So this meant that actually we could run the challenge globally and participate alongside our 10,000 strong US colleagues as well as those that were based in Ireland and further afield. So it really sort of helped to bond us as an organisation and create this real sort of sense of fun and competition. And participation this time was incentivised in two ways. So firstly, by syncing um, activity to our online platform, employees were automatically rolled, enrolled into quarterly prize draws and the prize draw um, prize was a £50 Amazon voucher. And then secondly, the winning team also got the voucher each, but also they got kudos through comms articles featured on our employee intranet. So they got a bit of fame as well alongside it, which seemed to work well. So Spring Into Action was launched in March 2018. It was a step-based team challenge. It was set over a four-week period, and it was the team with the most steps that won the competition. And steps, as I mentioned, were measured using fitness trackers and synced to the wellbeing platform. And participants could connect with whoever they wished to. And what was really interesting for us is that we saw multidisciplinary teams across departments and functions and all job levels. And actually, we found that it was quite a good way for people to network and, and build their um, sphere of influence within the organisation. So it was helpful on different levels. A key component for us of this programme and part of our culture is that it had to be fun. So we provided regular league tables and designed a comms plan really to support this. So we made use of our posters, we've got screens around the sites, we sent our emails and we used the internet really to sort of build a momentum and we really encourage people to send in photos of them on their team walks to sort of get a, a sense of community around the whole programme. And this worked really, really well for us. So it felt like we were making positive strides, we were seeing employees out walking at lunchtime. But I connected with Karen because I was really interested to see what some of the longer term effects and impacts might be of this type of approach. Love it, absolutely love it. So Karen, with your Oxite background and current chartership studies, we knew that you would be the right one to look at measuring the initiative objectively and rigorous, rigorously. So tell us all about it. Okay, um, so in order to actually see if the challenge had any effect on the well-being of the people taking part, we needed to look at what they were doing beforehand and then what they were doing afterwards. So we did a two-part questionnaire. They completed it before the challenge and it asked about their activity levels um, over the last two weeks, how they felt about their current activity levels and asked them about personal barriers to exercise, how they feel exercise can impact on their well-being and their work and we asked them to set a goal for the challenge. We also asked them in the second questionnaire the same questions and we asked them to revisit that goal and let, the, let us know if they were able to achieve it. 
The second part of each questionnaire um, asks the participants to complete a self-rating scale called the Warwick Edinburgh well Mental Wellbeing Scale. It's a 14-question self-rating scale and intended to evaluate the impact of an intervention on well-being. Um, so this scale was created by Warwick and Edinburgh Universities as a joint venture. Um, it was commissioned by NHS Health Scotland in 2016 to evaluate well-being across the population of Scotland. The scale gives each participant a score out of 70 and it means that the participants had a score at the start of the challenge and then a new score at the end of the challenge so they could compare their own personal scores to see if their well-being had improved. And it also enabled us to evaluate the overall well-being impact. So we had the initiative and we had some measures. What were the findings? Okay, so in terms of the Warwick Edinburgh Wellbeing Score, we did see that the average score um, went up slightly. So it went up from 47 at the beginning to 48. Now, it's not a huge increase, but what we did see is a larger amount of the population taking part increased their scores into the top area. So we started off with 44% of the participants in the top score range. Um, and at the end of the challenge, we had 50% of participants in that top score. The overall scores that people were achieving um, did increase, so our highest score um, achieved was originally 59, and then in the last questionnaire it was 63, and even our lower scorer, scoring participants increased their well-being score, so the lowest one being 20 at the start and 29 at the finish. It does show that overall some small, to, some small improvement to well-being was made between the start and the finish of the challenge. But unfortunately, not as many of the people completed the final questionnaire as who completed the, the original one. So that meant that we didn't really get a full picture of the impact. It might be that perhaps people didn't finish the challenge or perhaps people were on annual leave when that final questionnaire went out. So it does mean that there was some data missing. Um, so it meant that we didn't really see how everybody's well-being had improved. If we compare Unum's average score in the Warwick Edinburgh well-being scale to the score achieved by the population of Scotland um, in 2006, um, which is what the scale was actually created to measure, um, we have 48 and Scotland has 51. Now, it shows that we have a little way to go, but we do need to acknowledge that our research was just a short-term piece of work and an intervention looking at um, exercise around work rather than whole lifestyle and well-being in general. Also, it was 13 years ago that, the, um, that Scotland achieved that score. And as we know, activity levels are declining. Um, from what Nicola said, we are seeing a, a huge decline in exercise um, over the years. Also, I think how we now manage our lives is changing in terms of our expectations around well-being, our expectations around work-life balance. And just like Nicola said at the start, being stuck behind a screen all the time, not just at work, but outside as well. So... Whilst we can compare those scores, there are differences in what is normal for lifestyle now that might also be having an effect. Absolutely fascinating. I'm really, I find this so interesting. Just, is there anything else that you think you should let us know about the activity levels at Unum or anything else that we took away from the study? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, um, we did find that originally the participants said that they didn't feel that they did enough exercise and um, they felt that they wished they could do more and they reported lower levels of activity. Now taking part in the challenge seems to have really lit a fire under everyone because in the final questionnaire um, a lot of the participants rep reported feeling that they do enough exercise and they're happy with their activity levels and higher levels of activity um, as well. Um, so that really shows that it was meaning that people would be more active and prioritise their activity more. The general consensus 
consensus amongst the people who completed the challenge was that the exercise was helping them to feel good, more accomplished, more energized and more motivated. And then at work, it was helping with energy levels, focus, managing stress and productivity as well. The goals that people were setting for the challenge, a lot of people achieved those. So some were doing 10,000 steps a day, some were doing practicing yoga every day, starting an exercise regime or increasing activity levels. One participant even chose to join a gym and reported having much better energy levels and having an improvement in health because of the challenge. Um, a lot of the participants all also felt that being motivated by competing with their peers and the potential to win an Amazon voucher were really helpful. Where the questionnaire um, investigated attitudes towards barriers to physical activity, a lot of people reported time and work-life balance, which I think are subjects that are we're talking about a lot more in modern life anyway. They also said things like tiredness, cost, lack of motivation and ill health meant that finding activities to fit in around work can be challenging. People did feel like more flexibility could help improve their activity levels, so they made some suggestions, things like um, making sure that meetings weren't booked over lunch times so that they can attend a gym class or go for a walk or something like that. Many also said that um, having uh, gym facilities um, or somewhere to dry wet clothing after cycling to work means they're more likely to do it. Also, financial support with gym memberships is beneficial, and they also felt that more fitness challenges like this one um, at work or incentives to exercise more or lose weight are motivating. Overall, many participants reported that they found it difficult to get into a routine around exercise and prioritise that, but we did see the participants starting to prioritise exercise more because the levels they were reporting were higher. So I think it's about setting boundaries between work and free time. Some also suggested that if they can break up their working day with exercise, that even if that meant that they were working longer hours to accommodate those activity breaks, it would be more beneficial for both their body and their brain. Thank you, Karen. I remember actually this whole initiative taking place and people were so up for making sure that their team was the best, going out for walks at lunchtime. Um, I think it was very well received with lots of output. But I think what we can say from what you've just said is that we're pretty confident if a business can provide some basics around physical activity, such as facilities, gym membership support, and prioritising time for some kind of exercise, even walking meetings or ensuring a lunch break is taken so staff can move, etc., then there will actually be an improvement in energy and motivation at work. That's what I feel we can take away from, from what you've just said. But Nicola, what are your parting words from this great initiative and next steps? Yeah, thanks, Beth. I think really um, there were lots of learnings that came from this, from the research that Karen did, and I really wasn't disheartened by the small improvement um, in terms of the wellbeing scales. It was interesting, actually, when we subsequently reprofiled with the Britain's Healthiest Workplace Survey, our physical activity risk profile had reduced by 11%, um, which suggests positive progression in the right direction. And certainly in terms of this programme, we used it as a launch pad for other initiatives, because once you've got the energy and the focus and the attention of your employees, you can really use this as a launch pad for other initiatives you know some of the things that you mentioned like <coughs> fitness subsidies like um, promoting the programs and the benefits that you already have in place our employee centered well-being um, committee have since launched a program which is focusing around sedentary behaviors and they're running focus groups to identify what the barriers are that prevent people from taking breaks during the day um, and prevent them from doing walking meetings and getting up and using their sit-stand desks. So we've really used the learnings from this to kind of propel us forward. 
and you know as as you can kind of hear from the the um, results of the study there and the comments that employees made it was really well received so this March we're launching a subsequent um, step-based challenge you know and I and I can foresee that we will do this on an, an annual basis so it's really been the start of something quite exciting. Thank you so much Karen and Nicola for sharing that and I think it's really important to think about whilst the shift in scores in the study was minimal we can probably disregard that to an extent and just focus on the other learnings, such as the need for a well-being culture and that it is okay to look after yourself. Things like walking meetings, actually taking your lunch away from your desk, just these little elements are the things that are making the difference with regards to the study. So good luck with the 2019 initiative, guys. And for those of you listening, thank you very much for joining us. And we hope you can come along for the next podcast on financial well-being, which will be launched in May.